Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Uh, listen, this is a show about faith and finances. And so we're always talking about money and wealth and legacy and all things, I'm going to say, abundant life. You know, the word of the Lord says in John 10, 10, the B clause, it says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. In some translations, it says, I've come that they may have have life and have it more abundantly. And so the yumminess and deliciousness of the show is that we're always talking about um, anchored in the word of God. We're talking about how to do better, be better, live greater, go higher, all in the frame of money and wealth. My name is DC Marshall. And today's show, we're talking about building wealth via investments with my co-host, Alfred Edmund Jr. Alfred. Listen, you know, this is one of my favorite topics as a financial journalist. Investing is so critical to wealth creation. You can't really build wealth without investing, but you can't really effectively invest without faith because if you're not operating in faith, you're operating in fear. And fear is one of the worst emotions you can operate in if you're going to invest in anything or certainly if you're going to invest in the stock market. So this is really a great conversation. As I say, this show is about faith and finance. Without the faith, the finances don't matter. So yeah, we're going to give you some great information. We have a great expert, um, a good friend of mine who's coming on to talk to us about how to become an investor, how to learn about investing, but it's rooted in faith. Please welcome to the show, Alan Boomer, Managing Partner and Chief Investment Officer at Momentum Advisors. And we're going to be talking about a topic that we've talked about before, a great guy to talk about it which is building wealth through investing. Welcome to the show, Alan. Alfred, thanks for having me. Dean Marshall, I'm big fans of both of you guys and I really appreciate the chance to be on your podcast today. Alan, you and I have had these conversations often, whether it's you know, for Black Enterprise, I, I know you, you're a media personality yourself with your own shows, so whether it's with me or with others, about the, the importance of investing when we're talking about wealth creation, um, investing in, in the stock market, entering that market, just talk to me in general about how you got into this space, you know, share that with the Be Lifted Up audience and, and why this is kind of the chosen path, the, the ministry, if you will, that you've chosen for your life and career. Sure. Um, so I've been in, working on Wall Street for 26 years now, and it all started out by accident. You know, when I was coming out of high school, my um, work experience to date it consisted of Roy Rogers and Burlington Coat Factory. And uh, I was making minimum wage, which was $5.05 an hour. And I heard about a corporate internship program called Inroads. And I didn't care about the corporate aspect. I cared that they paid $8.50. And coincidentally, the company that they set me up with was Merrill Lynch. And I knew nothing about Wall Street. My only recollection of Wall Street was seeing the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy in the 80s. And so I said, oh, I get to make 850 and I get to work in the trade and places environment. That seems really cool. And when I got there, again, knowing nothing, I just started to become a sponge and just listen and learn. And I really learned that 
people were using investments as a way of changing their lives, of reaching goals financially and life-wise, that they were setting themselves up for multiple generations of financial success. And I hadn't seen that. I, I didn't come up in a wealthy household. My parents weren't wealthy. My grandparents weren't. And in fact, I can trace back to my great-grandparents who my, my great-grandfather was born during slavery, you know, and so for him, financial success meant being able to buy, a, having freedom and then being able to buy a piece of land so that his kids would have a home that they could always say is theirs, right? Owning that land. That land then was passed on to my grandfather. And ultimately my dad still owns that land today, wow. right? That was the only thing I knew of investing in terms of what I learned at home. But what I learned at work, again, was the idea that there are a number of ways to invest. And investments allow you to create wealth. Wealth is the idea that you have assets that are growing and producing more income, more money that you don't have to work for. And that's what wealth is all about. You know, I, I always love to start my conversations with you by you having you tell that story because it's important for the Be Lifted Up audience. I think it's important for most people to understand that this is not something that's beyond your reach. And I know we're intimidated with the idea of investing in stock market investing. Um, and it's important to know that you that you didn't, same thing with me, I didn't come from a background where I knew what a stock or a bond was. It wasn't like we were sitting around my dining room table talking about the Dow Jones average. Uh, but it is something that is important for us to kind of get past the fear or the feeling that I'm not rich enough to even understand that when it really is understandable. It's not easy necessarily, but it is simple. And I think part of the, what I hope to do during this conversation is get us past the fear of, of learning about it. you do you do such a great job in your work to help people get past that talk to me a little bit about what you think people need to be thinking about um let, let me back up a little bit alan this show is about faith and finance and okay. we, we talk about abundant living and, and i talk about the commitment to build multi-generational wealth as a manifestation of what we should be doing for future generations of uh, believing in inheritance for children's children's children Talk to me about the role that investing in general plays in creating wealth that can go beyond your lifetime. That's a great question. The first thing that we have to understand is that investing is necessary. It's not like a nice thing to do. It's not like, you know, if um, I had some extra money, I, I would do it. Like everyone has to invest. Mm -hmm. The reason why is that like savings alone won't do it. And that's because of inflation. Inflation's the silent killer. Inflation's the thief in the night. Like it, it is eroding the value of your money every night, right? Like think about back in the day, you could buy a slice of pizza for a dollar. I dare you to walk into any pizzeria in America today with a dollar and think you're gonna get a slice of pizza. It, it's gonna cost two or $3 now. And so meaning that same dollar, the same piece of paper that used to be worth something, used to be worth a slice of pizza, now isn't even worth a third of a slice of pizza. So meaning your, your money is becoming less and less valuable. So if you are not investing at a minimum, you're losing out. Now, at best, you're investing to not just keep pace with inflation, but also to make your money work for you, right? Like we know how to work for our money. Our, our parents taught us that. We went to school for that. We, we have no problem working as black people, but, our issue is around investing. When, when a lot of us hear this word invest, they hear risk. They hear, I'm gonna lose it all, 
right? They, they don't have much confidence when it comes to investing, right? They have more confidence when it comes to working, but the challenge to only working for your money is that you're gonna get old one day. You're gonna be tired, your feet are gonna hurt, right? Mm -hmm. And so the money that you work for at some point needs to start to work for you. You deserve it, why not, right? So that's what investing is all about. It, it's getting to the point where your investments are working for you and everyone should get to the point one day where they've earned more money from their investments than they've earned from their job. Wow. Meaning the income that comes in from dividends, from interest income, it's greater than what they've worked for. At that point, you can retire comfortably. Not everyone's gonna get there, but everyone should have that goal of getting to the point where their money working for them is earning more than they need to earn going to work. And that's when you've done a good job of investing and setting up your family for wealth. So, you know, you're preaching to the converted, even though it took me a long time to be one of the converted, because again, I didn't come from that background either. But let me address some of the things that people are concerned about. Um, first of all, how soon should people start thinking that way? I always say, I wish I'd started when I was in my 20s, you know, finding ways to, uh, whether it's maxing out of my, my 401k, uh, when I was eligible for it, um, I could have bought mutual funds, I could have done dollar cost averaging. There's a, there's, and I think later in the show, we'll, we'll get into some of the ways that people can get in as an investor to start. But what are you, would you say is like the biggest concern that you would, would address with somebody about getting started early in, in, in becoming an investor, or at least learning about investing? Yeah, I would just say, number one, time is money, meaning that the longer the horizon, the more time you give your investments, the more money you'll make over time. Like investing is nothing more than taking your money, mixing it with an opportunity, and then giving it time to grow. I always give this example. If you wanted to come up with a million dollars, you would need to save about $200 a week for 30 years and earn about a 7% rate of return. In 30 years, you'd have about a million dollars. Meaning if you save $200 every week, that's about 10,000 a week. Sorry, it's about $10,000 a year. Over 30 years, you would have saved $300,000. But if you're investing it, if you're taking advantage of compound interest and you're earning just 7% per year, that 300,000 that you saved would be worth a million dollars. So meaning, the earlier you start, so if I'm 25, that means by 55, I've got a million dollars, right? If I'm 30, that means that by 60, I've got a million dollars. And that's just the one example. So the earlier you start, the more you're going to benefit from compounding over time. At a minimum, every young person who has a job that has access to a 401k or that has access to an IRA account needs to be putting money away for retirement starting right now if you haven't started already you know that's that's a powerful place to stop a great example by the way because i like it when we can break down the math into a bite-sized example that that is easy to follow you can save three hundred thousand dollars straight up or you can invest it and have a million dollars with a pretty deep modest rate of return not a, a crazy rate of return of seven percent interest listen guys you're in for a treat we got a great brain to pitch for this for the for the duration of this show you're listening to be lifted up your guide to living an abundant life we'll be right back announcing the mocha podcast network 
an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Edumatainment. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. My co-host is DC Marshall. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. And we're here with Momentum Advisors, Chief Investment Officer, Alan Boomer. And he's talking about just in a very critically important topic when we talk about living an abundant life, creating multi-generational wealth. And that is the importance, the necessity of investing. And, and Alan, you, you gave a great example of why it's important to start early as possible with whatever you have, uh, because the benefit of this is what happens over time. And the, and the more money you make, the more time you have, the more opportunity you have to build wealth in a way that you can't build from just working and saving. But, I, but I, the other thing I wanted you to address with regard to this idea of building over time is the, the issue of risk. And a lot of people shy away and certainly black people in particular shy away from the stock market because of the perception of, of that is risky and and you know i see that it, it goes up and it goes down and and i don't want to risk my money and even have people who you know promote the false idea that investing is is the equivalent of gambling um talk to me about risk in general how risk is mitigated and why it's important to accept a certain amount of risk if you're really going to build significant wealth over time yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, the first thing you have to understand is that there's risk to not investing. We talked about that in, in terms of inflation. That, that's a risk that is present, that's not going anywhere, that you can't see. And when you think about investing, and I'm talking about investing, not speculating, but I'm finding Alfred and Dee, right now, investing is in vogue. Like People are talking about it on Facebook. Um, they're talking about it on social media. Um, you know, you, you had this big GameStop thing this year. You had Bitcoin going crazy. Um, that's not really investing, though, right? Mm -hmm. But people 
people like this idea that I can put up a small amount of money and double or triple it in a matter of days or weeks. And that may happen. That's like getting struck by lightning, frankly. Like that's, that's the odds of that happening. And in fact, if you're in one of those investments, the odds of losing your shirt are substantial, right? What I'm saying when it comes to investing is being diversified. So not putting it all in one basket, but owning a variety of investments, right? And I'm talking about every week or every month or every paycheck, putting away a little bit at a time. You know, the 401k is always the best example of a way everybody needs to be investing at a minimum. You're putting away a little bit at a time. So if the market goes down a little bit, guess what? Now you get a chance to buy in at a discount. It'd be like going to your favorite store and everything in there is on sale today. And then some weeks, maybe you're paying full price, right? But if you're buying a little bit at a time, that's minimizing your risk right there. The second thing you got to think about is just the idea of being long-term focused, right? When you invest, you, you have to first make sure you've got your emergency money set aside, mm. right? Because if you don't have emergency money set aside, the moment your, your tires get flat or you know your roof needs to be replaced, now you're looking to break your investment. And remember, we talked earlier about investing being mixing your money with an opportunity and giving it enough time. So assuming you've got your emergency money set aside, think about the long-term goal of why you're investing and when you're going to actually need the money, right? If you're 45 years old and your goal is to retire at 65, what difference does it make if your investments went down a little bit in the grand scheme? Right. Especially like if I were to talk to you about the financial crisis, which was the worst economic environment we've seen since the Great Depression. Alfred, I'm, I know you're, you know, I always put you on the spot and I never expect you to get the answer right. But and I never from, from the time the market hit rock bottom until the time that the market recovered, how much time do you think it took during the financial crisis of 2008-2009? Six uh, Six months. About three years. Okay. About three years. Three Meaning years. that if you had a hundred percent of your money in the stock market, and by the way, I never want to see people put a hundred percent of their money in the stock market. Or in any wanna, for sure. You want to own some bonds, you want to own a variety of types of investments. But in three years, you made all your money back. Mm. Right. So, and at no point did you lose all of it, not if you were fully invested in a diversified way. You never would have lost all your money. Your stock account would have gone down by about 50%. And in three years, you'd be right back at ground zero. But if you owned some bonds, some other safe investments, you would not have gone down as much. Maybe you would have gone down by, by about 25%. And maybe you would have recovered in about 18 months instead of three years. So being diversified reduces your risk. Having a long-term time horizon reduces your risk as well. Because I will tell you, if you give any investment enough time, it will make money. You just have to give it enough time. So, so I really want to underscore two or three things that you just said. When we're talking about investing for wealth creation, you're not talking about doing it fast. And, and, and I always emphasize to people, no matter what, how you plan to build wealth, if you don't have a sense of delayed gratification, it's not going to work. Whether Absolutely. You're investing in the stock market, whether you're trying to build a successful business, whether, you, whether you're, even if you decide to just focus on excelling in your career, that as soon as you say, I need instant gratification, you're talking about that anti-wealth mindset. Delayed That's exactly right. Is the mindset of wealth. And that sort of applies to um, um, investing in the, in the markets. 
because the, the beauty of the markets is what happens over time. And, and yes. you're right. You, you don't mind you, three years to recover from a, the worst economic downturn in history is nothing if your time horizon is retirement in 25 years. That's exactly <laughs> you know? right. So you're only panicking, this going back to this idea of risk, if you're looking at it with the short-term mindset that doesn't apply to wealth creation in the first place. The second thing I'd like you to go into more detail about, you use the word diversification and we talk about you shouldn't put all your money in one thing. And you're right, Bitcoin is super high. Everybody wants cryptocurrency. And, I'm, and I've been saying, because as a financial journalist, I just care about this stuff. I'm not telling you to don't invest in cryptocurrency. I'm telling you it's highly speculative and there sure should be, be, not be more than one to 2% of your quote unquote investment portfolio. Now, you already made investment portfolio means I have six to nine months of emergency savings sitting to the side that I'm not gonna touch. And then I, like you said, I'm invested maxed out at my 401k or IRA. And maybe I have mutual funds, I have stocks, I have bonds. Just go into more details about spreading your investment portfolio. So you're not just in one stock, like the big stock you think is gonna be the next Apple or you're in Bitcoin or, but you got, you know, it's real estate, it's different asset classes so that no matter what happens over time, you can ride it out because everything is not gonna do bad at the same time. That's exactly right. And Alfred, you, you explained it beautifully just now. The, the biggest thing you want to do is divide your investments really into two categories, right? One is stocks. And I, I always describe stocks as a high risk, high reward investment. The other is bonds, right? Mm -hmm. Bonds, bonds are low risk, low reward. Bonds are similar to a certificate of deposit from a bank. You give them your money, you get your money back plus interest. You know, you'll never get rich that way, but you won't lose anything, Right. And so when you think about stocks and bonds, like notice I didn't say mutual funds or ETFs, or I, I didn't use any of that language because those are just the packages that investments come in, mm. right? Like imagine going to a grocery store and you walk out with two bags of groceries. You have no idea what you got until you look inside the bag, right? So a mutual fund is a package, right? Inside that package could be stocks or bonds. Right. And so you, you want to ask yourself, do I own enough of the safe stuff? And I always tell people to think about your age and try to match your age to that bond percentage. Meaning if I'm 40 years old, about 40 percent of my money should be in bonds or safe investments. If I'm 70 years old, I should have the majority of my money in bonds or safe investments. So that's the biggest type of diversification you can do is making sure you have the right mix of stocks and bonds. Now, within stocks, there's a variety of categories. You've got large stocks, you've got medium-sized stocks, you've got small, you've got growth stocks, you've got value, you've got technology, you've got real estate. Own a little bit of everything. Own some international, own some emerging markets. But the biggest thing to make sure that you're mindful of, the thing that's going to determine 90% of what happens to you as an investor is that first decision of how much is in stocks versus how much is in bonds, right? How much is in safe investments versus risky investments? Don't think about mutual funds and the different names on them. Figure out if it's stocks or bonds when you're picking your investments. Alan is a rock star. If you've seen him on CNBC, and even before that, just a good guy, an amazing guy, and a genius at what he does. Yes. So much so, right, for all of y'all, I said y'all, looking for the Black-owned but the Black excellence and really trusted advisors and trusted advisory. 
that's what we have on the show today. So anyway, um, he's my friend and he's also Alfred's friend, but how we know each other is also a testament to the show about how we're all connected. Faith, church, right? I think we got connected and introduced um, probably in a similar space as the Reverend Dr. DeForest B. Stories Jr. or something like that, Alan, all those years ago. Yep. And so anyway, yeah, yeah. That's yes, it. Yes. That's how we know each other. Yep. Okay, there Back you go. In, we, we met in 2004, D. Marshall. Oh my God. Wow. Yep, I was just graduating from NYU Stern, finishing my MBA. We met in that summer before I started working. You were oh my working goodness. at the I was just graduating. Church. I was just graduating high school. I was just graduating <laughs> seventh grade. Okay, enough about that. No, I think, I think I, you were in the third grade. I was in a, yes. See, this is, why <laughs> this is why he's getting all the money and all the coins because relationship and flattery will get you everywhere with women, even with our financial advisory. So I want to start there, um, Alan. I really had three questions I was sharing with uh, Alfred that I, I really wanted to ask. So I'll give them to you fast and then we can circle back. I wanted to talk about women and investing and what you're seeing as a trend. Um, and even with black women, and, and I was just curious about some of the things that hold us back. And, you know, so that that's one frame of questions that I'm really interested in. The second is the trend with Gen Y and what you're seeing in your practice. Are you all, I mean, do you have Gen Y or are they, you know, investing with the clubhouse folks? Um, and then like, um, you know, crypto, like is Gen Y, is there a trend in Gen Y investing in those kinds of instruments? Are they investing in the more traditional? So those are some of my questions that I just really would love to hear your thoughts and your insights on. Sure, those are great questions. So the first thing I'll say that I'm seeing a ton of for folks, I'm Gen X, right? So the, my generation is really starting to embrace entrepreneurship in a major way. I always tell people that the two greatest investments are investments in yourself. It's education and entrepreneurship. And I'm starting to see folks my age starting businesses for the first time and doing it in a meaningful way where they're quitting jobs and making this their main thing. You'll find that entrepreneurship gives you returns that are way greater than you'll get from investing in the stock market. But just like the earlier segment, you've got to give that enough time. And for folks who are willing to give it enough time, they've developed the skills that it takes to go out and, and earn some money as an entrepreneur, that's a trend that I'm seeing that I'm really excited about. But going back to other trends that I'm seeing in our client base, our youngest clients kind of start with us in their mid to late 20s. Sometimes it's because they um, you know, had an unfortunate event, a parent passed away, um, you know, maybe it's a, a legal settlement. We have some folks who were fortunate and lucky enough um, hardworking enough to make the, the pros for athletics for the NFL or the NBA. So our, our younger folks, I think, are more interested today in the, the trendier things. So Bitcoin is interesting to them. I'd say anything technology related, social media related is very interesting. I'm also seeing a trend with young folks in gambling, like straight up gambling, mm -hmm. not like gambling in the stock market, but straight up like gambling is becoming um, very mainstream. You've got the DraftKings of the world. You've got all of these platforms for legal sports betting now where folks are wagering small amounts, right? But the odds are, I mean, sorry, 
they're wagering small amounts. The outcomes can be, I lose everything or I make a big haul. That's not investing though, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would never make an investment with those types of outcomes where it's either I lose everything right. or I make a big haul, right? But that's what I'm seeing as a trend is folks are kind of equating the, the gambling and investing thing because they're betting on the New York Giants. It's a bad bet right now. Right, right now, that's not right. <laughs> but that that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing folks betting on fantasy sports and just doing all of these things that are really not investing. Um, with women, one thing I'll say about women, especially Black women, on average, very good with their money. I'm always shocked at how well Black women, on average, manage their money, especially when it comes to saving very, very strong savers as a group. And the investing thing, for those who are interested in investing, they manage that very well once they get the hang of it. And for anyone who you know doesn't believe me, do do a little survey. Ask your home your your, your you know, mid-career Black professional women, talk to me about your investment portfolio. And I, I guarantee you, you'll be shocked at how, how many of them are investing, how many are doing well with investments. I think women well, often have- a, If I could jump in real quick, and I don't know if it's yeah, still go for true, it. but for a very, very long time, when especially in the 90s and the 2000s, when investment clubs were popular, mm -hmm. it was a well-known fact that women-only investment clubs outperformed mixed-gender clubs and all-male clubs. I believe it. I believe it. You know, there's a ton of stats, even about women as investment managers, how on average they do at least as well, if not better than their male counterparts. I think one of the big things is just about being patient, about, you know, having a gut instinct about things and kind of paying attention to the world. Like investing is really about, you know, looking at the world and seeing what you think is interesting and what sort of trends will happen over time, you know, and I think, you know, women who have, taking the opportunity to learn about investing, often find really good outcomes. Yeah, you know, I wanna ask, um, so this is another question um, with women and investing. So is it, well, let me just tell you what I believe. I believe we need people like you, right? We need people like you advising us on how to manage our wealth and grow our wealth, like for the long game. But I also know that there are a lot of us who we like to play around and do our own investing on the, the stockpile and the, I forget all the other. Can you just help us understand why we should do both or one or the other? Um, because I think that's also a big question for younger women. They're saying, D, do I need a financial advisor? My answer is always yes. And then they're saying, or can I just go and purchase, you know, these shares of Peloton, you know, on my own through stockpile. So I'd love for you to just share um, value of, doing it ourselves versus trusting you to manage everything for us when we get to the point that we could afford you? Great question, Dee. I don't believe everybody needs a financial advisor, not even folks that have amassed a lot of money. I think it depends on your temperament. It depends on your ability to um, you know, understand finance and investments and, and wanting to put the time in, right? But for a lot of folks, it's a luxury to pay someone to, to pick their investments, right? And so if, if you are interested in learning and reading and you can stomach the ups and downs of the market without any coaching, without anyone holding your hand, then you can do it alone. Like today, there's so many low cost investment vehicles out there, easy ways to get in with low fees. You just have to have the stomach for it. And what I mean by that is like, 
you can't go it alone. And in the moment we have a, a, a 10% draw, you know, drop in the stock market, now you're panicking and crying and ready to, to, to sell everything, right? If you've got the temperament and you're willing to be patient and do it yourself over time, I think you can do fine. I think the folks who need financial advisors are folks who maybe have more wealth accumulated than they really um, had a plan for and know how to manage effectively. Maybe folks that could take advantage of some tax savings or they, they don't know how to get to that next level on their own. A lot of us are first generation wealth builders. Like our parents never built much wealth that could be passed on. And this is our first chance to build wealth. That is a person who might need a, a financial advisor or just you know someone to, to, to maybe coach them. Maybe they need a, a short-term engagement with a financial planner to set them straight for a while, but not everybody needs one. You know, it, it can be um, costly, frankly, you know, and so I think it can be worth it. There are studies that show on average folks who do hire financial advisors, they tend to get three, 4% per year, better investment results than folks who don't have one. But again, I wouldn't say that everybody needs to hire an advisor. Yeah, I'm a big believer in, uh, I agree with you, Alan, that it's okay to have a financial planner that you might meet with once a year that can lay out your strategy but for the most part, you could probably do it once you know where you're going yourself. Um, you know, everybody doesn't need a broker. We are having a really, really great conversation with the CIO, managing partner of Momentum Advisors, a Black-owned investment firm. Um, he's a good friend of mine and a longtime friend of the. We're still fighting over the. <laughs> and and listen, we just—it's a wonderful conversation about the importance of becoming an active investor and the role that it plays and building wealth. And, and of course, for us, our show about faith and finance, living an abundant life, not only in your lifetime, but for future generations. Alan, you've shared so much great information about trends, about how we need to look at risk, about why this is not just a nice to do, but a necessary element of building wealth. Talk about some things that people who are now saying, okay, I'm convinced. Maybe I've done a little bit, but I'm not doing enough. Or maybe I just need to now get into it. What are some ways people can get started, some actions they can take right now to become an investor? Great. I'll lay out the foundation first. Mm -hmm. Number one, you've got to have some emergency savings because again, you, got, you have to set yourself up where you can give your investments enough time. Number two, you have to pay off any high interest credit cards or consumer debt because even if you can get seven or 8% on your, you know, as a return on your investments, if you're paying out 15 or 20 or 30% to the credit card company, you're actually destroying your wealth, even, you know, even though you might be growing some small part of it. The third thing is folks need to make sure they have enough life insurance. And this is especially if you have children, make sure that you have enough protection to cover at least 10 to 20 times your pay, right? So if you make $50,000 a year, it's not crazy to have a million dollars in life insurance if you have young children. Uh, the final thing is make sure that you start in the right place. And for everybody, it's got to be a retirement account. It's one of the first places where you need to invest. The reason why I'm saying retirement account is that if we're all fortunate and blessed, we'll all get to be old one day and there'll be a time when we need to live on our investments. And the way the retirement accounts are set up, they're designed to give you either some tax deferred growth or tax free growth. But one thing that nobody talks about with retirement accounts they also offer you bankruptcy and creditor protection, meaning you could have a million dollars in your retirement account, your 401k at work or your, your IRA account, and you could fall on hard times and literally file bankrupt, but nobody could touch that retirement account. 
it's one of the only creditor protected investment vehicles that you can own. And so we really like to see people investing in their retirement accounts first. Once you've maxed out, and when I say maxed out, I'm not saying hit the maximum until your company stops paying a match. Usually that's two, three, four percent. I'm saying $19,500 if you're under 50 or $26,000 a year if you're over 50. Once you've maxed out, the next thing to start investing in is maybe opening up a brokerage account. You know, it's kind of like a checking or savings account. You're using after-tax dollars, money that you've gotten from your paycheck. You're using that brokerage account to make additional investments above and beyond what you've put into your 401k or your IRA account. And there's so many ways today to get started with a brokerage account. There's places like Robinhood, which I know got a bad rap a few months ago, but Robinhood, I think, is a solid platform. Uh, there's places like Charles Schwab and E-Trade and, you know, Stockpile, as you mentioned, D. There's so many low-cost ways. There's Acorns. There's a million ways to get started as an investor. You know, it, it's just a matter of just starting out getting your toes wet. You know, is, is there a company that you consistently give money to, whether it be your cell phone provider or the company that, that makes your, you know, your, your car or the company that, that makes your, your favorite brand of clothing? Why not start by buying stock in those companies? You're already spending money. You're making other people wealthy with your consumerism. Why not start with those companies and make a small investment? Today, you can even buy fractions of a share of stock, right? Even though Amazon is trading for thousands of dollars a share, you could buy $50 worth of Amazon stock if you wanted to. That's an option that did not exist 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So again, a lot of ways to get started. You know, one of the things I like about the options that we have today that, uh, you know, certainly our parents and grandparents didn't have is not only the technological capacity, but the capacity to automate. I was a guest on um, Newark Mayor Ras Baraka's podcast talking about, again, wealth building. And he asked about discipline and suppose, you know, how do you get the discipline to invest? And I told him the answer to this one is automation. Like, I'm not thinking about my Acorn app and, oh, I need to put X amount of dollars in every pay period. It's set up so it just happens. And every once in a while I look and I like, oh, wow, it's over $3,000 now. Oh, wow, it's over $5,000 now. So you just talk about some of the, the capacity to, to take away some of the challenging, uh, the challenges of being disciplined enough to quote unquote to save and invest. Yeah, if you, just like you're supposed to tithe first, you should pay yourself first. You should put some money away first. If you can do it in an automated way, I, I love it when I see folks take a part of their direct deposit and split it amongst multiple banks. Mm -hmm. So one part goes towards your day-to-day your -day living expenses. Another part goes towards an account where you don't have an ATM card, right? An account that you can set up for every month or every two weeks, a mutual fund gets bought or an ETF, an exchange-traded fund gets bought in that account. I love the idea, again, we talked earlier about, about reducing risk. Anytime you can average into an investment, meaning buy a little bit at a time, you're reducing your risk over time. Because as that stock or, or fund goes up and down, you're buying it even cheaper when it's down. And so again, I agree with you fully. If you can set it up where you don't even notice that it hits your account and you're buying in you're not making a, a, an emotional decision or saying, you know what, should I buy it right now? Is it a good time? Like it, it's always a good time, mm -hmm. right? You can't time investments. I guarantee you, if anyone tells you 
you can time the market, they are wrong. So you need to just be buying in on a regular basis. Yeah, I want to add to that point because people say, oh, this is a bad time to enter the market. This is a good time to enter the market. And that automatically starts you off with the wrong mindset because you think you're going to time your entry and time your exit. Just say a little bit more about, it's not about timing per se. It's about diversification, uh, consistent saving over time and riding it out over time. Now you, you nailed it. There are studies that show if you were to just, if you took, let's say a, a stock that, or, or even let's say an overall stock market and you, you subtracted just a few days from that year, you, you could lose half your return by trying to time the market. Mm. You, really, you really need to stay fully invested. You need to, you know, the funny thing that the best analogy I could give or, or uh, you know, historical example I could give. Remember after Donald Trump got elected, remember the panic that everybody had the next day? And I had so many people saying, I need to sell everything. I need to get out. Like things are going down. The stock market took off after that. Right. Who would have guessed that? I'm talking about Wall Street folks were panicking at that time. Yes. You, you really never know. The, the next time I'll, I'll tell you is during COVID. Like the market dropped during COVID. Don't get me wrong. But folks were saying like, this is the end of the world. Like we've never seen anything like this. The market took off after COVID. Mm -hmm. So you never know what's going to happen. I have my brother, my older brother. I love him to death. My brother, when COVID first hit, he's like, I'm going to sell my house. I'm like, what? sell your house. Easy, like, easy, Alan. Don't no. judge. I met your brother. I met I met him. I will fight you. So go, go so, ahead. What you going to say? So my older brother said, I'm going to sell my house because I don't want to get caught out there because I know the real estate market's going to collapse because of COVID. Like we had the financial crisis and what, what happened? The, the real estate market went up like crazy. So meaning like you never know what's going to happen. You don't know. All I know is that over time, if you stick with it, investments tend to work out in your favor. You know, we could go on forever and ever. Alfred, I got to jump in. I'm really yeah. mad we don't have enough time because we're at less than a minute. Mm. I wanted to ask uh, Alan about his personal uh, investments. You know how you got to ask the doctor, doctor, what's the medicine that you take? And I was <laughs> curious because Alan started an initiative with, I think, Morgan. Um, aren't you in a Morgan alum? Yes, and yes, buying yes, all yes. the property, but it was Morgan alum exclusive. I didn't go to Morgan. I was, I'm like, can't he just start another, in any event, Listen, we've got 30 seconds. I mean, I don't I don't even know what to say. Alan, what do you want to share or how do we follow you, find you? I don't know, whatever you can share in short and brief. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, so our website is momentum-advisors.com. That's www.momentum-advisors.com. Our Twitter page is at Momentum Advice. We tweet all sorts of good investment and financial planning and entrepreneurship tips. But then lastly is our podcast. Our podcast is called The Momentum Advisors. It's available on all the podcasting platforms. But every Sunday, we drop a new episode where we talk about financial literacy, wealth building, entrepreneurship for the Black community. You will not regret listening to that podcast. I'm telling you. It's a great show. Okay. Yeah, all good. Show. All good. Thanks, Alan. Well, thanks, I really appreciate thanks it. for having me. I love y'all. Y'all are my y'all are my people. Y'all are my brother, my sister, and I just appreciate the chance to be with you guys today. All righty, take care. All right, take care. We just had a powerful conversation, D, with your friend and mine, your friend first, Alan Boomer.
CIO, managing partner of Momentum Advisors about leveraging investing to build wealth. Just a ton of great information and a ton of great encouragement that we can do this and that this is not beyond our, our abilities. I, I just want to focus on three key things about investing in the markets that Alan underscored repeatedly. And it's important to remember as you get started with investing. One, investing is, is not a nice to do, it's a necessity. That without investing, inflation will eat away at whatever money you're gonna make through just working for money and saving money. So if you're gonna build wealth faster than inflation will eat it away, you have to be invested in the market so you can um, really grow your wealth over time. The second thing is it about diversification, meaning you don't put all your money into one thing. You wanna invest across stocks and bonds in particular. Um, and the bonds is low risk, low reward, and stocks are high risk, high reward. And you're managing that balance so you can make money over time, but you can mitigate the risk. And the last thing is, it's easy to get started. You can get started. Um, there are a variety of platforms that can help you get started. You wanna focus on saving for retirement through a 401k or IRA, and then move on from there. But don't be afraid to start right now. D. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. It's been a wonderful and amazing show with Alan Boomer from Momentum Advisors. This is a show about faith and finances, and we're just happy that you were here to take all the nuggets. Um, Alfred stole my thunder. I was going to give you all three tips, and I'm still going to give them to you. One, max out your retirement to the max number, 20000 then open a brokerage account. Number two, pay yourself First, that's a basic, but also in your brokerage and your retirement. And then three, invest where you spend. If you shop at the Target, buy some Target stock, all right? It's Be Lifted Up. Until next time, we'll see you. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.